Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Welcome to another edition of the Dangerous Dinners Podcast, episode 22, my dudes. Oh, would you believe it? Firstly, apologies. There was no episode last week. We had guests cancel. We had equipment issues. It was just a, it was a um, perfect storm. That's the phrase, isn't it? We're going to need a bigger podcast boat. That's how I felt at times. But don't worry, we're back in action this week. And um, not only are we back in action, uh, this is sort of a behind the scenes of the podcast. Our schedule is Ramo. Oh my God. Some of the episodes we've got coming up over the next few weeks is brilliant. And I'm not going to say who is coming up at the end of August, but we have got a great guest booked in at the uh, end of August. She's a she's a singing lady. So I'm going to say. Uh, right now. As always, I really appreciate all the subscriptions and the downloads and keeping us in those top Apple charts. Much love. Um, So yeah, without further ado, no messing around. The guest on the show this week is, you know what, I'm going to say a personal friend of mine. And not only that, he is, I think, the first guest we've had on this podcast who I would say is, I'm a bit of a, bit of like a, he's a bit of an idol of mine. Idol? Is that the word? I look up to him. I think is how I should say that. He is a man that has held down more commercial breakfast shows in the UK than I've had hot dinners. He's taken pretty much all of them to number one. Not only that, he's annoyingly good looking. This week, we're joined by Dave Berry. The Dangerous Dinners Podcast with your host, Tom Green. One celebrity guest, one spin of the roulette wheel, and a tour of the best and worst takeaways, which are delivering to us tonight. What will it land on? We let fate decide. Up for grabs today, we have the poorly reviewed Kansas Fried Chicken, everybody's favorite, Lahore Karahi, and if it all goes wrong, Pizza Palace. But before we do that, it's time to meet our celebrity guest. They're famous, they're funny, and they just arrived downstairs. It's time to bring them up. Please welcome. It's Dave Berry. Hello. Hey, Tom. How you doing? I'm not bad, man. How are you? I'm very well, thanks. Hey, pod subscribers. What a charm it is to be on board Dangerous Dinners. How lovely. Thanks, man. And also, I'm glad that you, some guests come on never hearing this and some guests come on as fans. You've actually heard the Dane Baptiste episode, who was a joy. An absolute joy. I was going to wear a T-shirt for this that just said, say what Dane said, because he pretty much, <laughs> including like being from Lucian, he covered off my whole life, but in a much more intelligent, articulate way than I'm able to do myself. So basically, just insert all of Dane's answers and I'll, I'll see you guys later on. Cheers, Tom. <laughs> Take care. Lots of love. Bye. <laughs> see the Dane episode for more. How does it feel with the shoe being on the other foot this morning? Because you're normally the guy with the questions and someone else is in your control, but not today. I would much rather be where you are in this situation, <laughs> Tom. Yeah, you're right. And it's, that's a strange thing about, about being a presenter, I suppose, is I spend a, I've spent a lot of my time thinking uh, X and X was a great guest. Oh, so-and-so, I thought they'd be funnier, but they kind of let us down. That's my mindset. So now when I am sat in this show, I have a whole lot of respect for the guests that I've interviewed over the years who have really pulled it out of the bag. I hope to do you justice, Tom. Thanks, man. I've been interviewed a few times and it is, I never realised, right, what the guest was feeling in terms of nerves. I never got that. I was like, I'm not going to screw you over. We're going to have a laugh. And only when I was getting interviewed was I like, they could ask me anything here and I'm going to have to try and give an answer that makes me not look mental. I know, I know precisely what you mean. And it's weird because it's not so much for me, it's not so much the process of doing it. And like, we know each other, Tom, and this is great fun. 
But it was always whenever I would do uh, be interviewed by someone, whether it be for a podcast or on TV or in the press or whatever it may be, it was before it went out. It's why I'm such a fan of everything that's that's live. You know, I could have had fun in the moment, but then it's the kind of week before that episode goes out or the few days before that thing gets published online. And I'm thinking to myself, what have they left in? What have they taken out? Effectively, I'm a control freak, Tom. And to yeah. hand that control over to somebody else, whether they be my wildly lovable friend Tom Green, whoever it may be, <laughs> it just doesn't sit easy with me. I like it to be live. I like to be in charge of my own destiny. And, you know, that's where I feel most comfortable. Do you like to watch yourself back on stuff? I will happily listen to myself on the radio because it's my domain. And I'm like, I don't <laughs> mind that. I'm like, I know I'm sort of going to come across okay here. And I've done a bit of TV in the past and done a few panel shows and I can't watch them, I feel like I might look weird. Do you know what I mean? I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, I mean, I've made quite a lot of TV over the years and the live TV was, again, it's in my own hands and if something goes wrong or I make a fool of myself, then, well, it's done now. We just have to move on. But it's that (laughs) wait to see how you come out in the edit. But the the truth is, and this isn't going to paint me in the best light, on the occasions that I have seen something I've been involved in and I've come across well or come across informed or I've been funny, then I have been known to rewatch. <laughs> <laughs> in total honesty. In fact, I've come down before, like the morning after the night before, with a couple of empty bottles of red wine on my coffee table. I put my TV on and it's like me on pause on like through the keyhole or something, where I had a particularly dazzling episode, which is very embarrassing. And also there was there's a running joke on the show that uh, for quite a long time, the only podcast I'd ever heard was the me doing the breakfast show. <laughs> um, so it, it tends to be when I've, I've had a few drinks, which again, I know doesn't paint me in the best light, but I, I have been known once, you know, the family are, are well, everyone's good, life is sorted, and I've had yeah. a couple of glasses of wine. I might slip into a Dave Berry wormhole, which wow. A, is a disgusting thing to say out loud, and thirdly, Dave hates people that talk about themselves in the third person. But it's the <laughs> truth, Tom, and I've come here to drop the truth bomb. Wow. So if we if we were to get drunk together, we'd end up watching your back catalogue, maybe stick your show reel on. <laughs> I never make other people suffer that. I've right, never like gone to my partner, like, come here, you got you've got you gotta to listen to this. <laughs> this is me interviewing Denzel Washington, it's amazing. <laughs> I wouldn't I wouldn't put anyone else through it. Fine. My mates have never had to go through it either. It's just a very personal thing. Yeah. I like that. And thanks for coming on here straight after your breakfast show this morning because you're still in the studio now, right, by the looks of it? I am still in the studio, yes. Um, it was a, a fun show and um, I'm look, you know, I've been looking forward to doing this as well, so it's perfect. Thank How you for t- like making this not a dinner, by the way, Tom. I know usually with your guests it's like 8pm, mm. but having you know dipped your toe into breakfast show waters yourself, you, you had the respect to record this particular episode at 10 minutes past 11. Totally. You're not the first. We did Billy Billingham because he was in Australia. Right. We did that recording at 6am in the morning this side and it was hellish absolutely (laughs) hellish I understand the pressures of that time in the morning and wanting to get your afternoons free so you can do a bit of you time no, you, well, you're absolutely right. So I, I am grateful to be taking part in the first ever Dangerous Breakfast. So thanks, Tom. <laughs> For all guests we have on the show, I write them an introduction. Um, would you like to hear yours? Yes, please. Here we go. This is a bit of a Dave Berry wormhole. So sit yourself down, get a <laughs> Merlot. Um, I love it already. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Dave Berry, it's very rare on this podcast I get an actual hero of mine on the show, but today is the day. Not only has he held down more commercial radio breakfast shows than anyone in the industry, he's taken pretty much all them to number one no mean feet xfm breakfast done it mate capital breakfast whatever absolute breakfast still on it not only that he's a model a fashion icon and a suit brand owner and he's here today it's dave berry wow thank you tom i love i love that about you you've gone on my wikipedia <laughs> yes your wiki was helpful today yeah you sprinkled it with all the tom green bells and whistles and i am grateful so so thank you yes i, I mean i've done a lot of commercial breakfast shows haven't i yeah like all the big ones <laughs> like that's actually like the more i sort of looked into this to into you today like, i know a lot about you but it was good to do some research as always right and it was like jesus he really has held down every major commercial breakfast show pillar in the industry well yeah i mean i i've i've always i kind of the moves have have been the kind of the real big stop down points of my career really when i look back you know i've always made those moves of my own accord which is you know which is a real blessing 
I've always been given an opportunity to say farewell to a particular set of listeners, which wasn't something that I, I, well, I personally presumed that would be how it was, but it wasn't until after I left Capital Breakfast and I was, you know, permitted to do that and say a, a proper goodbye that uh, a few people kind of commented that it, sometimes it's quite rare in the industry. Yeah. You kind of tell your, you know, your employers that you're leaving and you're kind of taken off air. So I, I felt uh, really grateful for that. And um, as I say, I've been able to make to make the moves and, I, and I've been really pleased with the moves I've made, but they, none of them have been easy. They've taken a, a lot of consideration and a lot of kind of time to to make sure I was doing the right thing. But, you know, to, to do the breakfast show on XFM was just a boyhood dream because... I'm far removed from being a radio nerd. I didn't really listen to the radio growing up. Um, I mean, yeah. I love radio nerds and I love working on the radio. It's the most incredible thing I've ever done. I genuinely have a job that I love. And my dad uh, pointed out to me many years ago that that is a real rarity and that I'm, I'm very privileged to have, you know, to do something for a living that I really do enjoy. But, I, you know, but the radio wasn't really part of my, my life. However, XFM was, and um, I loved the the Ricky Gervais, Steve Merchant, Carl Pilkington show, and yeah. my girlfriend at the time. This was before The Office was was on the TV, but we used to. She had like a kind of nineteen seventies mini, and we'd go to the off license, we'd buy a four pack of beer, um, and we'd sit in her car with the radio on and listen to the show on a, a Sat. I think it was a weekend afternoon. And so when I eventually got my own Saturday show there and I did the drive time show and then I was I was asked to do the breakfast show, it was a, it was a great honour. So that was the first breakfast show I did. And it was it was incredibly difficult to, to leave there. But but it was the right move in the end. As I say, looking back, each and every move, as tricky as they've been at the time, I think in retrospect was the right thing to do. We've got so much to chat about radio, but I want to get you some breakfast. Oh, yes, let's eat. Behind me is a wheel of the best and worst takeaways delivering to you this morning. It's a breakfast special today, which is quite a joy. Skipping through the apps earlier, it's quite hard to screw someone over on breakfast, especially in central London, because they're all quite nice. Um, but <laughs> but thanks for trying, Tom. That's the main thing. Oh, yeah. Thanks you tried really... to screw me over. <laughs> thanks, man. I, I wanted something awful. It's really hard to find. Um, do you want to count me in, and I'll give this a spin, and we'll find out what you're having for breakfast. Okay, get spinning in three, two, one. Spin that wheel. <laughs> Yeah! <laughs> foot long! <laughs> we go foot long, baby! Um, I think for legal reasons, this the name of the brand will actually get edited out. So this, what should we say? It's a famous sandwich shop where they have fake brick walls in the shops. Yeah, let's call it that. If it, was, if it had been born, if it had originated from the UK, it would be called Underground. <laughs> yeah, very good. Very good. Um, have you got a standard order at this place? Yeah, I will have. Um, I, I, again, I don't want to give anything away, um, but l let's call it um, a, a 12 inch long. Yeah, okay. <laughs> that helps us out, doesn't it? Of a legal yeah. wormhole. Uh, I'll have a 12 inch long with uh, tuna, please. Yeah. I'll have uh, lettuce, tomato, and red onion. Hold on, before we start this, this will give it away. What bread do you want it on? I'll have it on wholemeal. Wholemeal. So I guess that's nine. They call it nine grain wheat. Okay, nine grain that's, wheat. It's been a while yeah. since I've had one, so I'm looking yeah. forward to it. Nine grain wheat and then loads of... Um, cover that little bad boy in honey for me, will you? Honey dressing. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah, fine. So do you want cheese? No, thank you. No cheese. Of course you don't. Toasted, untoasted? Toasted, please. Toasted. Now, and... this, Tom, by the way, is uh, my, my wife and I. This is our road trip sandwich. Her parents lived in, in Dallas... And we flew out to visit them, and then we drove from Dallas to LA in a wow. in a black convertible Jeep. Oh. And we had we stopped off uh, like in the middle of the Nevada desert, where there was a you know a, an underground because <laughs> <laughs> um, they seem to be every two hundred miles there. We yeah. parked up, and that was our order. And we would sit there in the baking heat. It was like ninety five degrees. And we would sit there and eat that very sandwich. And we had the first one. And then we honestly, every time we saw a branch, we'd pull over 
and, and eat one of those. And I've not had one since the road trip of 2017. So this is, wow. a, this is a lovely thing. This is like the end of Ratatouille. This is where you're giving the food critic the thing that takes him back to a happy place. Yeah, so yeah, when yeah. I get eating this, it's going to make my heart melt. So thanks, oh. Tom. What salad do you want on it? What's the salad of the of the LA trip? Well, I would mind the car and my wife would go in and do the ordering. So I'm not sure, but there was there was lettuce, tomato, and the red yeah. onion was the most vital part of it. There and then there's the sticky honey dressing with the yeah. tuna and then the, the seven grain bread. Uh, th- £13.19, Dave Berry, you're a cheap date. <laughs> you're not the first to say it. Uh, and that is now placing that in the bag. That is now in the bag and on its way to you. Thank you very much indeed. We've got until the food turns up to get to know you properly. And I want to start in a bit of your life that I actually don't know much about, which is modeling. Is that how it all started? <laughs> was that, was that how, because according to your Wikipedia, that's the real yeah. jump off point. Yeah, I mean, it was a, a long, long time ago. Um, <laughs> but yes, it was modeling. Yeah, I, I was, um, it was a strange one, really, because I'd gone to do A-levels at Crown Woods uh, in Eltham in, in, in South East London. I ended up getting a Saturday job at Next, the high street retailer. Sure. Um, who then fired me because I had a tattoo done in my lunch break. And I, the tattoo bled through my white shirt and Jesus. made a customer kind of uh, feel quite squeamish, bless her. Uh, it's not her fault. And and I'd been a bit late, and I didn't have the work ethic I, I now have, Tom. So, you know, yeah. I was kind of a teenager, you know. So I wanted to get another job. And then I, I stumbled across uh, two guys, uh, both named Ian, uh, partners in business and in love, and they ran this really cool... Uh, vintage clothing store in Greenwich, which is also in, in South East London. And if you're from that part of the world, that's how you pronounce it, Greenwich. G-R-I-N-I-C-H. <laughs> um, so I started working there and then I, I kind of had this uh, strange dilemma, which sometimes brings, brings me out in hives to think about it, but it was do my A-levels or car- or go and do more work for these wonderful people who played all these amazing tunes and I loved the customers there. They were so passionate and there were people who were really into their stuff from the 40s and there were kind of mods and you'd help them get the right jacket with the vents, just the right length. And I yeah. really fell for it in a big way. And as part of that, um, people from, because it was vintage, a lot of people from magazines and stylists and stuff would come and um, come into the store. And um, myself and um, a couple of the other sales assistants uh, who used to kind of like drape ourselves uh, like over the furniture in the room just trying trying to look pretty like it was like the last days of Caligula just like feeding each other grapes and drinking red wine um we used to get a little bit of work out of it and you you know you'd go along and do a shoot and you'd get paid you know a really nice sum of money and it kind of took over and then the and then so I started to do kind of more of that and you know as I say kind of sometimes I look back and I kind of have a jolt thinking about it but College became less and less important to me as a person. And coincidentally, when all of my friends uh, got their A-levels, well done to them, uh, we always used to go, it was tradition uh, that you go on to Blackheath and you all sit around drinking quarter bottles of vodka and orange juice and celebrating. And I was sitting around with them, toasting their success. And uh, a booker came over from an agency and, and asked me if I wanted to, to, to do that. And so I said yes. Um, but this is all caveated with the fact that it was a long time ago. Uh, David Gandhi, I ain't. And I'm very pleased that, <laughs> that TV presenting came into my life shortly after. But that was the jump off point, Tom. You're right. An embarrassing thing to talk about, you know. <laughs> I don't think it is embarrassing. I think it's fascinating. Mm. I think it's brilliant. Mm. It doesn't sound like there was much of a plan to get into radio or TV. Things just sort of presented themselves and you you ran with it. Yeah, well, th- that's right. And I, 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 di- I did run with it. And by this time, I'd um, jumped ship uh, from Ian and Ian, who are still really good friends of mine. In fact, a couple of years ago, I, I wrote a whole piece about them for the Guardian newspaper. But I, that didn't stop me stabbing them in the back when I was sure. like 19. And I moved to the shop next door. <laughs> and it it was whilst I was there and, and I felt secure there and I felt safe there. But at the age of like 20, I would have been about 20, 21, I decided that you know, I, I had an agent and I had some representation and I basically, um, I what I put in line, uh, and this is very me, uh, you know, looking at the person I am today, I can see this. I kind of basically, I passed up the opportunity to move in with, with my mates and I stayed at home with mum and dad. And I said, you know, can I stay here? And they were like, yes, of course you can, David. 
And I said to my new employers, I said, look, I'm going to go and give this a go. Do I have a job to come back to if it all goes wrong? And they said, yes, you do. And and then my my employer at the time, Damien, who's kind of like the big brother I never knew that I needed until I met him. He said, get yourself a paper diary, which I still use to this day because it's kind of a bit of a superstition for me that every year I buy a new paper diary. He said, put stuff in there. He said, even if it's like you're going to go and get your hair cut today or you've got that audition or you've got a meeting about something. He said, write it in because otherwise you will just end up sitting at home playing the PlayStation all day and you'll never amount to anything. And he said, so just put those things in the diary, get up every morning, get out there. And that's what then that's kind of what I did knowing that I'd put the safety net in place that I wasn't going to let any of my friends down on not being able to make the rent that month for you know the house we were living in. And I knew that I had a, a, a job that I really enjoyed doing as well to, to go back to. But as things kind of uh, transpired, um, it was shortly after that I got, the, um, I got a gig um, hosting uh, on Nickelodeon alongside Simon Amstel. And that was the beginning of the beginning and and you know that was I still look back now when it was I'd signed the, my first contract there and you know I was kind of messing about with puppets on live television no, that's not not Simon Amstel by the way um <laughs> messing about with with rude and bogey the puppets on live tv and introducing you know Sabrina the Teenage Witch and just thinking this is what I do now you know there was that there was a really strange moment between I'm the guy in the shop and now I'm the guy on Nickelodeon and it was yeah. it, it took me quite a long while to to kind of adjust to the this is now what you do and I want to clear a rumor up at this point that a rumor that I'm sort of fueling but I, I sort of quite like which <laughs> sort of stays in the modeling world is it true that every morning on the Capital FM breakfast show you wore a three-piece suit uh to a degree yes yes it is I um the thing is Tom I don't do it so much anymore but at that time um I would effectively leave the show at like quarter past 10 in the morning and I was then free to do what I want to do. I want to get loaded. I want to have a good time to quote Primal Scream. Uh, no. So I, so I would just always be suitably attired for the, for the day ahead. So wow. people think like, oh, I would wear, they'd be like, Jesus, mate, don't you know no one can see you? I'd be like, actually, we, actually, nowadays in radio, we film everything, my friend. It's all visual, um, my friend. But it wasn't, it wasn't that. It was because it wasn't necessarily for the show like I was, you know, a BBC radio announcer from 1938. Uh, it, was, it was much more about the, the day to come. So I would be released into the wild in London's glittering West End and I'd want to look the part. Because again, as you know, uh, from your experience with breakfast radio, sometimes post-breakfast show in your own mind is perfectly acceptable to have a full spaghetti bolognese and oh. a bottle of white wine at quarter to 11. Well, Dave, let me, tell, us, let me tell you a story. And I think I've told this on the podcast before. My days of breakfast radio were on in your building in, in, in Kiss. And for a variety of different reasons, they weren't the happiest of days in, in my life. I've spoken about this quite okay. a lot on the podcast. And um, on a Friday, sometimes what I like to do would get a full English breakfast and a pint of Stella at 10.30 a.m. <laughs> Je t'aime. <laughs> I've only ever had that combo in an airport lounge, Tom. <laughs> Um, <laughs> um, yeah, well, listen, I'm sorry to hear that you weren't, uh, it wasn't the happiest of time for you, first of all. And secondly, I, I, and this would be, a, you know, I'd say this to anybody who's, who's listening and subscribing. If you can do a little something in your life that makes you feel a little happy, possibly not a full English and a pint of Stella on a Friday morning. But if there's a little something that's, that's going to help put a pep in your step, then why not? Life is short. That's what I say. Was he depressed? Who knows? Was it making it worse? Who knows? It was enjoyable. A little 10 a.m. pint of Stella. At this point, though, this does lead us to the food section of the podcast. Play the jingle. Food. It's the food section. Food. Oh, what a great jingle that was, Dave. What a jingle. What a jingle. Um, so this is the food section of the podcast. We do this every single week on the show. Question one, you've committed an awful crime, probably something from the XFM days, and you are off to jail. You've got one final meal before they kill you. Starter main dessert, what are you having? Oh, um, starter, I am going to have... Um, 
starter, I'm going to have my wife's uh, hearty chicken broth. Nice. Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna have that because it's one of the nicest things I've ever put in my face. Um, and see, I uh, my wife's a vegan and I, I went through a stage of something close to veganism. And w- what I learned is that vegans, and understandably, take being vegans very seriously. Sure. And I am fully vegan except for the fact that I eat chicken, which I refer to as the feathered aubergine. But they didn't <laughs> like that. So, <laughs> so I've just decided to fess up. I just eat less meat and dairy. Yeah, um, that's good so though. I, that's a step in the right direction. Precisely. Again, these small little changes we can make, you know, those little things. And um, so, so I would, I would have, I would have that to start. Then I'm going to double feather aubergine. I'm going to go for, and very specifically, there is an Indian restaurant in Pimlico in southwest London in SW1. I used to live there about 12 years ago. And I'm going to have a chicken jowl frazi, mushroom rice, bombay aloo, three problems, mint sauce, onion salad, and a cobra beer. Oh, lovely. And then for pudding, uh, it's, I'm either having a cheese board. Nice. You're the first person to say cheese board, and I've been waiting for it so yeah. long. What a final! Do you know what? I'm going to have the che- I'm going to have the cheese board, Tom. If if you if you've waited a long time for someone to say, I mm. I, I kind of I've got a, a child a child. If it's my last meal, I'm about to get you know I'm about to go under the syringe. Yeah, I don't mean double jabbed. I mean I'm about <laughs> to go under the final syringe. Um, maybe vanilla ice cream with hundreds of thousands on there just to kind of transport me back to my kind of eighth birthday party. But I'm going to stick with the more adult, sophisticated cheese board. Fantastic. What sort of cheese are you going for? What's the? I really want to deep dive into this now. Well, I'll deep dive as much as I possibly can with my lack of knowledge of cheese. But yeah. what I am definitely having is I'm having a camembert. Mm. Then I am having something very traditionally British, something UK, something just like a nice cheddar. Maybe a red Leicester as well in there. So there's three little slithers so far. And then I'm going to go for something hardcore and French. Something that something that looks like it's just come from the Petri dish of life and I'm about yes. to, to eat it. Something blue and dripping. Something blue. Something that looks like a veiny hand prop from a <laughs> horror movie. And I'm going to have those and I'm going to have them with... Um, I'm going to have them with the kind of very thin, very crispy biscuits. None of that kind of soft digestive nonsense. That's what it's going to be. And you know what? Chuck a couple of grapes on the side. Of course, as, you, well, as hey, is your chuck right. chuck them on there. I like a little bit of um, fruitcake as well with mine. I look, you throw oh. some, you throw a bit of, a bit of fruitcake on a cheese yeah. and biscuit and it'll blow your face off. Wow, I'm just a guy looking at a guy talking about cheese and oh, no, that's not right for now. Um, that's it. Yeah, so that, that's my last meal. That's what I'm going for. Um, are you boozing throughout the meal? Are you, is it going to be Cobra beers throughout or are you a wine guy? What's your thing? No, I'm, I'm a big wine guy. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have, have a glass of uh, a New World Servion Blanc to go with my starter. Nice. Something crisp to cut through and also something that the sensation of the crispness of the white wine is going to make sure it doesn't feel too heavy, like an appetite suppressant, given what I'm going into. Mm -hmm. Then I'm going to have a Cobra beer with the curry just because that's traditional. And then I'm going to have something outlandish like a Chateau Latour 58. (laughs) I don't even know if that's a thing, but I'm going to have a Chateau Latour 58 with the cheese at the end. So I'm going white wine, beer, red wine. Yeah, brilliant. Blow their bloody budget off before they (laughs) blow your head off. That's the best way to do it. Good <laughs> final meal. Now, I've got... This is the question that it sort of splits people, this one. You get people who are really into their food, and I feel like you might be, and you get some people who just don't care, so it doesn't really work for them. But okay. favourite restaurant in the world for you? Oh, wow. You know, I'm going to go... Can I have two? Mm-hmm. More the better. I like a recommendation. Uh, these aren't going to like shock you, surprise you, or be anything you haven't heard of before. But I'm, I'm going to do this uh, with a nod to the, the fashion world. I'm going to do it seasonally. So there's a spring-summer favourite and an autumn-winter. Fantastic. Spring-summer is Nobu Malibu, which sure. is the uh, kind of Asian restaurant that is on literally on the sea uh, in California, in Malibu, and as part of our road trip, when we, we finally completed the road trip from, from Dallas, Texas uh, to L.A., it was where um, she was my girlfriend at the time, now my wife. We went there. We had a table right at the front. There's a little bit of celeb spotting going on. All yeah. the food is, as you'd expect from California, it was fresh. 
and it was tasty. And that was where also we had an amazing bottle of Viognier, which is a really crisp white wine. Yeah. And it was warm, but it was like 22 degrees. So it was just a nice warmth. You could hear the waves lapping up against the coastline. So that's my spring summer restaurant. That's nice. Can you remember what's your standout dish from there? Is there something that really is your Nobu order? There was a there was a spicy prawn salad with like giant king prawns done in a kind of nice kind of uh, chili and peppers were on there, and then it just kind of laid on a little little bed of salad, which was really oh. nice. I recall that. And Sarah Jane had the blackened cod, which was really delicious as well. And that had like a that had a honey glaze on it, which was just amazing with the white wine as well. And then my autumn winter place is just a, an old favourite, a standard. Uh, you know, if you've not been there, then book in there for an anniversary or a birthday or whatever it is. But the Ivy in London, not the Ivy cafes, which are still very good, but the original not the brasseries, Ivy. the OG Ivy. Yeah, the OGI. That's how we like to do it. No, no, the brasseries are fine, but the but the uh, original Ivy on West Street is is a kind of you know it's a it's a mainstay of the London restaurant scene. It was good seventy years ago, and it's just as good today. So in there, and you know their their um, shepherd's pies is is legendary, which I used to eat before I stopped eating meat. Uh, their fish and chips are great. They do a, an amazing. Um, uh, monkfish curry, which comes wow. with rice, these incredible little handmade poppadoms, and that with a nice glass of red is a great way of spending a kind of tucked, take your scarves off at the door, take your winter coats off, all sit round in the kind of leather booths and the nice kind of white linen tablecloths, and it's a great place to be. I like to pride myself on going to a lot of restaurants in London. I feel like I've been, and never before on the show has someone mentioned somewhere I've not been. And I can't believe I've not been, but I've never been to the OGI. Right. Well, the OGI, Tom, once uh, we're allowed to touch each other properly and we both feel comfortable <laughs> with that, then yeah. it's on me. My treat. <laughs> what a gent. I'll wear a suit. You, you, you buy wait. me an underground. I'm going to buy you an OGI. <laughs> That's, that seems fair, right? I'm sure they're going to be about the same cost. <laughs> it's a traditional trade-off. Your, uh, your, uh, your underground, by the way, is very close. It's Thank just you. about to enter the square. Final question in the food section. Are you a hangover food guy? Have you got a traditional hangover food order? You don't strike me as one, but I might be doing you a disservice. Um, I will roll with um, my wife's punches on that one. I think it's fair to say. And there'll be um, there'll be times when, you know, we've we've gone through through, you know, um, certain food delivery apps and I can see in her eyes that she's she doesn't want a five star Chinese she wants yeah. the worst Chinese she can get her hands on. And I yes. just, I go along with that. She just keeps scrolling down till it's kind of like one star, disgusting. Please do not eat here for the love of God. Never order from this place. She's like, send. Take that. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. So we'll, we'll kind of get ourselves an egg fried rice and some vegetable spring rolls and that kind Holy of thing. Um, but that aside, I mean, from a, from a hangover perspective, and I go solo on this one, I, I can eat my own body weight in jelly snakes if I'm feeling a little tender. <laughs> So that's what I that's what I go for. I've got a whole Tupperware container that we hide away from our daughter in a Fantastic. cupboard that I kind of get access to from time to time when I'm feeling in need. Um, talked about hygiene of restaurants and stuff. I don't know if you know this. I only found this out recently and this really stressed me out. So right. you know those hygiene ratings that you see in some windows, right, of yeah. some restaurants and it's normally like a four or a five. Every restaurant in the UK has one of those. But if it's not in the window, it's probably because it's a one. So they all have them. They just don't all show them. Wow. So you can, yeah. legally, they can stick that wherever they would like. So they can say, we've stuck it up, but we just stuck it up in the kitchen. <laughs> yeah, they can just hide it. Especially a takeaway. If you go to a dirty takeaway after a night out and that thing is not in the window, that is a big, bad... It's not because they don't have one. It's because they're yeah. hiding it from you. Don't tell my wife that. That's where she's going to eat. She, as soon as she <laughs> knows that, she's going to be looking for the stickerless windows of town. <laughs> um, I, I walked past a restaurant once um, and it was, a, it was an Indian restaurant. And they had, uh, they tried to draw their own five on yes. and circle it with a black marker pen. <laughs> I think they'd been given a three and they tried to doctor it like we wouldn't yeah. notice. I love the fact they didn't, they didn't do the 2021 thing of photoshopping it. They physically <laughs> yeah. Yeah. byroed that bad boy it, in. It was kind of like the work experience, like get out there with the marker pen, get it sorted. <laughs> you, you did A-level art. <laughs> now, I want to... I want to move on to radio because we haven't really spoken about it yet. And that's sort of how I know you 
best is through radio. So you joined Capital, in my opinion, probably in the heyday, probably in the best big days of Capital. When you joined on weekends, who was on breakfast? Was that Vaughan? Was that Tarrant? Uh, no, Johnny Vaughan, yeah. He was quite a way into his reign. I think I had my first show on there back in 2008. So, yeah, so I did a little spell. Um, we we got kind of politely moved along, um, <laughs> fired. <laughs> um, because, as I say, because I didn't really know anything about radio. And, I mean, even now, it kind of to think about it and think about my actions is, is uh, makes me feel slightly queasy. I just basically used to play the music that I liked. Brilliant. Yeah. But, but I, and I don't mean that in some kind of like rebellious way. And I've got absolutely no aspirations to be those great kind of um, music um, presenters Zane and DJs Lowe's like the, the world, the Zane Lowe and who I love and know and Lauren Laverne, the same and our very own Daniel Perry here at absolute radio. Those guys are great, you know, and, um, uh, John Kennedy on, on on X, you know, these guys are really good. And that's never been my my thing. It's not been an aspiration of mine. They do it so well. I've always been more focused on the bit between the songs. That's been, you know, where I, where I focus my attentions and making that as fun as, as, as possible. So I did that. But then I, you know, I can't even remember what was scheduled. But at the time, I was a big <laughs> fan of the Arctic Monkeys. So I just used to put that on. I think I like played it twice in an hour. <laughs> Uh, which crazy. Guess, what's crazy is people that listen to this podcast like we know how crazy that is but still so many people go so how how do you pick the music guys yeah. we don't that is not our role no that's well that's it and, and and that's not a role i particularly you know the thing about about where i work now and, I, and i'm not just saying this to get some kind of plug in you know but but genuinely i i love the music that we play at absolute radio and we might shift things around a little bit there might be better songs i think are going to work outside of uh, something that maybe we're doing or we yeah. might move a song up so we don't go straight into the ads after a certain thing and so we're curating it on a on a kind of daily basis but but i like to leave the songs to, to those guys but what was the interesting thing about that um, was changing the music and, and doing silly features on that Saturday show was that XFM rang and they rang and like their opening gambit was like, is, is, is Dave Berry there, please? I was like speaking and the, this guy said, oh, I'm, I'm the program controller of XFM. I hear you like waffling on and playing the Arctic Monkeys. You sound perfect for us. So I, I, so I, got, I got rehired um, and I was so just like on. one want, floor up. I want to delve into that. So at this point, that was all global. So XFM yeah. and Capital was still one building. Were you let go of Capital? Yeah, I was, I was let go of. And, and at the time, I think the takeover was happening. And um, so, you know, everyone was still separate and it wasn't the, the, the super slick machine that it is today. Um, you know, yeah. the one that I would know to, to grow and love. Uh, in my time there so um yeah they gave me a call and said you know do you want to do a little saturday show and that was when i first met and got paired with my on-air husband matt dyson and um yeah. you know a lifelong love affair with both radio and him has um ensued and what a brilliant station to be on at what an amazing time for it as well so you went over to what show did you take i did saturday afternoons i can't remember the time exactly i think it might have been one till four or one till three something like that this is a station that had produced like your ricky gervais's like dermot o'leary i think was on there what was the lineup like when you took over who else was there with you um I, you know my good friend from mtv alex zane did the breakfast show and yes. lauren had just departed but i mean in the past like jimmy carr and people like simon Pegg and russell brand and a whole load of luminaries as i say including that you know the love myself and my my uh, ex at the time had for the ricky gervais steve merchant and and, and carl pilk show so it was it was really nice to um to kind of be part of that that world because it was the only part of radio that i fully kind of um you know had any passion for because my memories of radio were uh drive doing staycations before they became a must with my parents and sitting uh my little sister and i either side of my nan in the back while she chain smoked rothman's and <laughs> um my uh and my dad having the cricket commentary on fucking medium wave on the quietest volume ever so it was being a little bit like it was like baking hot we're sat in the back of a yeah. ford sierra in a traffic jam on the m1 going on holiday happy memories as it would uh, transpire many years later just listen to that he's out for a dog couldn't hear him goes oh God. I used to think that was the radio. (laughs) That's all the radio is. (laughs) So um, when X came into my life, it was a thing of beauty. Um, So it was was great. And um, as I say, I did a Saturday show there for a little spell. 
and then they moved me. They asked me if I wanted to take over the um, the drive time show, which I did. Um, and then uh, that was that was great fun, and I loved it. And you know, now uh, having done the home time show on Absolute Radio when I first joined here, that the hours uh, do not work for me. My brain, um, my personality has changed since I, I did the drive time show on XFM, which would have been about 2010, yeah. so about 10 years ago. But you know, back then, I mean, honestly, man, just for anyone listening to this, my hours at that point, I mean, I was doing TV stuff as well, but there would be whole weeks would come along where my working hours were 4 p.m. till 7 p.m. Yeah. And then I was done. So I used to go to bed at like six in the morning and it didn't matter because I could still go to bed at six in the morning and get a solid eight hours and still be <laughs> early for work. <laughs> was these- insane. <laughs> Were these in the rock and roll Dave Berry party eras? Yeah, I had I had those years. I'm still having those years, Tom. Um, but uh, no, I used to have those years more frequently. Uh, they were more liberal. They were more open. It's amazing sure. how a child can shackle you into normality. I'm kidding. The, the, the thing the thing was, what was important was, I I tried to kind of continue in the same vein when I took over the breakfast show at XFM, which was my first breakfast show experience. And you really soon realise that you just can't do that. No, you can't be that guy. And then you you have to weigh up as a as a presenter, as a broadcaster, whatever it may be. If you're given an opportunity like that, you've got to weigh up going out with your mates or, you know, or having a dinner, even having something like a dinner reservation at 8 p.m. You've just got to weigh that up against the quality of the show that you're going to make and the show that you want to make. And everyone slips up. All the guys and girls that, that do breakfast radio have, of course, done that. And there was a, a great time when I think that was almost celebrated to be a bit kind of anarchic and everything. But again, I very quickly moved away from that. I, I hate stories of like getting wasted on air and I don't like talking yeah. about them myself. I don't really like listeners who, if they've got a story, but it involves them like falling over drunk or whatever. I, I, I always tend to stay away from them and have done for quite a long while. So you kind of had to fix up and look sharp. To, to, to hold that down but before that during the home time thing it was just in, it was it was insane hey i'm ryan reynolds recently i asked mint mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation they said yes and then when i asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts they said what the f*** are you talking about you insane hollywood ass so to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. So your food's downstairs. Yes, uh, someone's gone down to grab it. Thanks, Tom. Appreciate that. The lovely producer, Sam, has gone. The lovely producer, Sam, yeah. Oh, look at that. (laughs) Thank you, Tom. Look at that. David, I'm just going to give you a moment to unwrap it, show it to the camera, enjoy the food. Here we go. Oh, there's the red onion. Oh. (laughs) It has not travelled well. (laughs) (laughs) And I, do you know what? I'm going to say this. I wasn't going to say this, but the underground sandwich place always gives me a bit of a dicky tummy. After all, oh, she looks there nice. You go. Look at that. Mm. Je t'aime. <laughs> Are we at the Ivy now, Tom? <laughs> yeah, the Ivy. The Ivy. Is this the, the Ivy look- now? Is this what it looks like here? <laughs> Sir, we must require. Are we you married to wear a now? <laughs> this is it. So go on. How does she, she's not travelled well? Is she not? No, no. I mean, listen. It's just it, we found this out. The, the dressing I've gone for, the honey dressing, is the stickiest substance known to man. Honestly, if I get some of that on my t-shirt, I could run at the wall and I'd just stay on there for a while before I slowly slid down. Um, no, it's great. Thank you, Tom. I'm I'm very grateful. I'm only I'm only taking the mitt because it's in my nature. Thank you for it. My absolute pleasure. Uh, I mean, it was thirteen pounds. Don't worry about it. Um, so oh. yes, yes, do that, do that. <laughs> 
For people mm. only listening, Dave's just taken a massive bite of the tuna melt. Sorry, everyone. Mm. It's all right. Should we talk about moving back to Capital then? So you did you did XFM for a long time, and then you replaced Johnny Vaughan on Capital Breakfast. Mm. And yeah. for me, I know that's a really big deal, right? And radio fans know it's a big deal. But for a lot of people, they may not know how big of a thing that is. Replacing a heritage show like Johnny Vaughan terrifying uh not really um and i was aware of obviously and i know johnny and we message each other from time to time i i i knew that he'd done the show for i think it was nine years and and how loved he was uh by everybody um and but you know i've got my own ideas on on how my show should sound on how a breakfast show should be and i wanted to implement those as quickly as possible so you've you've kind of almost got to uh whilst absolutely having a hundred percent respect for what went before you know you've got to kind of almost put your head down and get into it and I was so fortunate as well to be to be paired with Lisa Snowden who I kind of knew a little bit beforehand but uh it was about kind of um and I think for the listeners as well it was it was about me getting to know Lisa and Lisa getting to know me on air because we didn't know each other and then on top of that, that's the listeners getting to know things about Lisa that maybe, you know, after so many years, Johnny wouldn't think to ask. Them getting to know more about me because I'm the new guy. Uh, and most importantly of all, uh, us getting to know the listeners. And so it was a, a case of just kind of having fun with it um, and, you know, doing doing my own thing, doing the thing that I was um, approached to, to take over for. And um, I had a, an incredible time there. And, you know, when I look back, not not on my career uh on my life and the two are the two are intrinsically linked of course i have some some of the fondest memories ever i mean we were able to travel we were able to kind of belly laugh every day i spoke to some wonderful funny inspiring listeners and we had some great guests and it was a it was a a great time it it really was and and as i say and I, you know, I, I, I was reluctant to move. I, I'd only been doing the breakfast show on XFM for a year and I felt I had a lot, a lot more to do. But, you know, th- so I kind of politely declined at first and then they um, they kind of... Uh, Offered more money? No, exactly. Yeah. No, it's it's funny because I, I've, it's never really... I don't, I don't think I've ever made any move for the money. You know, like I, I, I took a pay cut to come to Absolute Radio from Capital, but but it was the right move for me. At, at that time and certainly has proved to be I think um but no it wasn't it wasn't about that it was it was about really just how um incredible a job uh, at the second time of asking they did of just telling me how big a deal it was and I think that if we uh, go back and I don't mean this in a in any kind of egotistical way it's, it, it's so far removed from that but I didn't really appreciate the scale scale of that and yeah. the second time they asked, I think they kind of realised that, that I didn't quite understand what was going on here. <laughs> and they were like, it's the Capital Breakfast Show, right? And I'm going, yeah, yeah, no, it's brilliant. I love Johnny and Lisa. They do. They're going, yeah, but you could be doing that. And uh, and it, basically, I'm quite slow on the uptake. And once the penny dropped, <laughs> I realised I was being offered this incredible opportunity and it would have been foolish of me not to take it. So... I grabbed it with both hands and, and, you know, and we, I like to think we had a successful time there and we made some good radio over the years. How long do you think it took for that show to bed in? How long was it until that show became your own and you felt comfortable doing it? Yeah, again, Tom, and this is probably me being foolish. Uh, and yeah. maybe this is, this, this is part of the human ego uh, lighting up here. But I just felt that we, I felt we hit the ground running. I think Amazing. that the show, I think obviously shows sound a lot different. They sound a lot more uh, you and you're a lot more established because you need to have that link with the, with the audience as well. So when you float these ideas about, you know, your question that you want to ask them or you want to tell a story that's come from your life experience and then see if they have anything similar happen to them, for that to really turn, you're right, it can take kind of 12 months, it can take a year, it can take longer. I really connected with with Lisa, I really connected with the team, and I think people quite quickly got what we were doing, and, and then, you know, the listeners, um, that you know, the, the ratings and stuff showed that, you know, for, for, for what that's worth, you know. <laughs> um, you know, people were sticking around for it, and, you know, I was really grateful that, so many people gave me a go i know there would have been yeah. people who you know left immediately and i understand that and that's again looking at me now and 
looking at you know how I see radio and uh, compared to to even back then, which wasn't too long ago. That was well, two thousand and twelve, I think. Um, but it's you realise that you're part of people's day, and you know when you've when you've when you've been waking up with the same voice. I know that Johnny did it with Denise as well as well as Lisa, but you know that's nine years. That's you know that's like your nine year old son is then eighteen. You know that person you're getting up and making breakfast for your daughter is is nine, and and then by the time he's gone, she's like, she's a woman. You know, it's 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 a whole kind of it's not a lifetime, but it's a span of a life, and it's totally. such a long time to to mean so much to people because you're in their kitchens or you're on their school run every day. And I think that the my ignorance was bliss because I didn't really kind of think about that. I was kind of like, this is going to be great. <laughs> Here we go. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that kind of, as I say, that ignorance probably played well for me. Uh, whereas when I came to Absolute Radio and when I was... Um, they started to talk to me about breakfast. You know, Christian, who had done such an incredible job here, not only was he here for 12 years, but he launched the whole shebang. So, yeah. but by that time, I had a bit more of a sense of, I haven't dived, I haven't changed from, you know, uh, running my own race. I haven't um, changed from having a great deal of respect and, you know, for everything that Christian and, and, and Richie did. But I do actually, um, you know, and but now I, I get it. I get that you know, this is 12 years in people's lives and that's yeah. something really special. And I, and I hope that, you know, the, 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 the years that I was on Capital and hopefully the years to come that I'm going to be on, on here, I, I might, you know, I might leave, you know, a little mark on, on the people that enjoy our show. That's all you can really hope for. Um, I just want to go back to Capital really quickly and ask a question, Ooh. which is how did you find working so closely with the legend that is Ashley Tabor? Yeah, I mean... I, I, I loved working with Ashley. We had a really good um we had a really good relationship. And uh in fact when I decided it was time for me to leave, I didn't wanna because I, I had so much respect for him, I didn't want to do it through my agent or just send a you know, get my agent to send an email. I actually booked some time in to sit down with him personally and explain why I was going and what my reasons were. Ashley, yeah. obviously, for people listening to this may not know who he is, he's the he's the founder of Global. He's a very busy, uh, important man. So even for me, his favourite breakfast show host, <laughs> he could only <laughs> fit me in at 3pm, which in our time scale, it might as well be the middle of the fucking night. <laughs> That's the equivalent of asking someone, hey, can we have a meeting at 11pm? Yeah, no. exactly. So it wasn't so much about, you know, the, 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 the big boss person wants to see me at three, can fit me in at three, that's fine. But it was just, I just had all of this time just thinking I'm going to, I'm going to be telling them this piece of news. And it was just how long I really wanted to tear the plaster off. I was hoping he'd say, yeah, yeah pop up after the show, but he had something else in. But, um, you know, I, I, I explained to him my reasons and, um, you know, he said, you know, give us 24 hours. Uh, so I, I went back in the following day I'd already made my mind up the only time I slightly wobbled on it was um which is a, a, a strange thing but they it was the measures that they put in place to persuade me to stay and it wasn't money by the way <coughs> Ferrari <laughs> yeah, I got, yeah um I got to ride around on Nick Ferrari which was all I wanted to do <laughs> so I nearly stayed when they offered me that oh did you say a Ferrari sorry yeah um, no riding Nick Ferrari would you know what a joy LBC I think Nick would let me do that as well but anyway um but but it, I was really quite kind of moved by it and it gave, gave me a sense of not that I ever felt undervalued there in any way but it, it took you know it was almost like being at your own funeral you know they say that yeah, yeah, when they yeah, said these yeah. really nice things and I was like oh oh and that was the only time I wobbled slightly but I'd made my decision uh, I knew it was the right decision at the time and looking back it was it was the right decision so but but I you know I, I still love those guys and you know all, all of the senior management types over there are, they'll always be very dear to my heart because they helped me uh, have some incredible experiences while I was working under their watchful eye now this isn't bragging I want to caveat this whole bit with this isn't bragging because You've been very successful for a very, very long time. And that those trappings come with a decent bit of money, if, you, if you're quite lucky. Do you have any extravagant purchases? Are you a man of, is there something that you bought that you really wanted that you can't believe you now have? You know, Tom, I, I, I wish I could give you a, I'd like to give you a bling answer, but I, I'm really, I'm kind of the opposite of that, really. I feel, I'm one of the, I feel I've got enough stuff. And 
I, I get freaked out by the amount of um, Amazon deliveries that arrive at the door um, that my partner's ordered. And I don't mean that in some lazy, stereotypical, like, oh, my wife's shopping online way. I mean, there yeah. are things that we need, but there's also things we don't need that arrive. And I, I just, I'm that guy, if I find a really nice, if I find a perfect pair of jeans, even if they're like 30 quid, I'll buy yeah. like three pairs of them. I'm the same with shoes. I don't really wear any. This I had made for me as a gift. My wedding ring I bought in Camden Market for 35 quid. Um, and But what, what I love is, it, you know, COVID has taken this away from me and I found it very frustrating, but I love being able to treat my friends. Yeah. And that's one thing that um, I've been very fortunate to be able to do. Um, and the, the experiences of being able to go somewhere and, and not, not being flash or anything like that like clicking the waiter over but being able to like pay the bill at the end of a really great night for everyone sure. you know my nearest and dearest pals that i've known for many years is a is a real is an amazing thing to be able to do but that's kind of where that the, my my kind of i like to focus my money as opposed to you know buying nick ferrari to ride him around or <laughs> buying a, a lamborghini instead so i've um yeah that's that's it really I once bought all my mates a curry on a night out and I mention it every <laughs> single time I see them. <sighs> Just try to claw, I'm trying to claw it back in pints. So basically I have, the, I have the story of I once paid for your chicken tikka masala, but over 10 years they've paid it back, which is, makes me quite happy, you know? Are oh, you going to have a Bombay Lou, are you? No, no, go for it, Joe. Don't worry, no, don't worry about it. Yeah, dickhead. <laughs> um, now, before you, before you go, um, one, how was the subway? Delicious. Good. I've nailed half of it. I've got the other half to go. Good. And I just want to ask you before you go, how is life as a dad? Uh, life as a dad is um, incredible. Yeah, it really is. I mean, it, 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 it does change everything, but all the parents listening to this will know. But um, Evangeline is two and a half uh, years old now, and she's um, a really, we're so lucky because she's such a sweet-natured and funny little being, and um, we love her to bits. And, you know, I think... I do a podcast called The Dad Pod, which is basically where a load of kind of celebrity guest parents sit down with me and pass on invaluable dad advice and other such things. And, you know, everyone's parenting journey is different. And I think whilst we have faced challenges, as every parent has, pound for pound, she's a she's a real sweetie. And um, my wife's just a fantastic mum and a great partner. So, you know, the, the three of us are, are a happy little unit, Tom. Yeah. That's good to hear, Dave. And when you first have a kid, you have no idea, right? You are like lost at sea how to be a dad and you just teach yourself. Yeah, I, honestly, I remember saying on air um, whilst uh, we were pregnant, but saying to, to Matt, Matt was like, oh, what are you up to today? And I was like, oh, I'm just going to go home and um, stick a couple of movies on. He was like, you can say goodbye to that, my friend. <laughs> he became this real prophet of doom just in the really? last couple of months before she was born. So what are you, what are you doing this afternoon? I said, oh, I'm just going to pop around. I'm meeting a friend for a beer and a spot of lunch and I'm going to head home. You can say goodbye to that, my friend. <laughs> Your life is over. Your life is over. <laughs> it was a real doom monger. Then he told me about a thing called the meconium and I asked who he was. Um, and if you don't know, you don't need to know. I mean, I've got no stage. idea. Like, I'm so you don't, out of my depth. Tom. Here. Listen, this is this is a food based food based podcast. We don't need to talk about it. But I thought I asked who he was, and uh, yeah. it's not a he or a Fine. she or a they or a them. I'm gonna I'll Google after I'll Google after. <laughs> um, Dave, thank you so much for joining us on the Dangerous Dinners podcast today. You are our breakfast edition, the first ever time anyone has got a um, underground sandwich. Please rate it out of ten. <laughs> Um, I am giving this a firm 9 out of 10. The only reason it isn't 10 out of 10 is because my lucky number is 9. And I wish you all the luck in the world with this brilliant podcast, Tom. And I'm grateful for the uh, food. And I'm grateful for your time and your company. Thank you, mate. I will see you at the uh, OGI in a few weeks. OGI! Cold food, but hot guests. It's the Dangerous Dinners Podcast. Oh, Davy, Davy, Davy Berry! What a treat he was. So funny, man. That's why. That's why he's the best. That's why. After me, he's one of the best radio presenters in the UK. Ah, oh, see, shouldn't have said that. Should I? Should have been less. That's what I want to learn from Dave to be more humble. He was so. He was so humble. Master of the humble, wasn't he? Oh, so successful, but no big deal for old Dave. Dave Berry, is it? Uh, we love you, Dave. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. You were 
a simple delight. Um, if you've enjoyed the show, scroll down, give us a like, give us a subscribe, give us a rating, a review, all that good stuff. We're on Instagram, on Twitter, we're on Facebook. Um, I think Instagram's our most fun at the moment. We're having a lot of fun over there. Anyway, I will see you um, same time next time. But guys, some of the guests coming up over the next few weeks. Huge. See you next time. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.